0: This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network.
1: The Bolton in the studio this morning, fighting with my mask for some reason today. I don't know, it must be a Monday thing. Anyway, uh, welcome i'm glad to have you with us we are kicking off a very 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 busy month a month that uh linda has c- scratched things on her books so many times I, I can't even read who's supposed to be here um but it's because october is a busy month and we we try to raise awareness during the month of october on breast cancer uh domestic violence and suicide prevention so we're probably over the next month going to be hit well i know we are going to be hitting all of those topics from time to time, we're not going to do a special block of shows, but we will hit them throughout the month and we're kicking the whole thing off with uh, with somebody that really uh, I always truly enjoy talking to and i'm I'm so proud to work with uh, Danville Police chief Christopher Yates is with me this morning right here in the studio. Good morning, Christopher thank you for being here.
0: Good morning, Linda thanks for having me
1: absolutely um. Uh, Chief and I have talked many times um, about crime. Everybody, you know, he's a chief, so you talk about crime. Chief, you have tried to convey to people for quite some time now the challenge of um, helping people understand crime in the city of Danville. You spend your days working on that, and there's a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding about what's really going on out there. So let's start with that. Let's talk about crime in the city of Danville right now today.
0: Well, Linda, we, we've we got a lot of uh, mechanisms put in place to really monitor w- what we're seeing and, and how we deal with it. Um, we're seeing a lot of promising uh, numbers as far as decreases in different violent uh, crime areas. Uh, and then we're looking at what we're doing in those areas what are we doing right and how can we uh, enhance those efforts? And then the areas where we're seeing different challenges, uh, where are we doing and do we need to improve on those areas? So it's, it's, it's constantly taking the numbers, taking the data, breaking it down, seeing what it's about, and then formulating a plan to uh, to, to address it.
1: But, but the thing is, I think, and that's what you're doing. And we, you know, you and I both know that, but the reality is an awful lot of people out there, the only thing they know about crime is what they see on TV. So it's either from the national level of, of m- murders and crime, or it's at the local level with a local TV market, which is very broad and very big. And so it, what happens I think sometimes is there's shootings in Champaign and shootings in Decatur and Springfield. People hear bits and pieces of that and think everything is happening here in Danville. And in reality it's not.
0: Well, you know, we definitely have our challenges here and, and I pray for uh, you know, the other communities and, you know, whatever we can do to help them indirectly or directly, uh, you know, we will of course we have good partnerships with other communities. But, uh, you know, like I said, we ha- we have our challenges and, and uh, I I often look at what's going on in other communities to see, you know, how they're being addressed and, and how we can uh, 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 take advantage of the information out there. Uh, but like I said, we, we're seeing different numbers that, that are promising. Uh, it's, I always say that I'll never be happy until uh, crime, violent crime is extraordinary. And, and when I start seeing people completely appalled and... and saying that we're not going to tolerate this and come together, then, you know, that's when I see different benchmarks of improvement. But we still have a way to go, and and I'm never satisfied with with the numbers, and uh, we'll continue until we get to where we need to be.
1: So let's talk about the root of the problem, because as you have said for some time, while crime is crime is crime, I mean, you know, crime is what it is, um, a part of that stems from our inability, actually, to, uh, to solve conflict without violence and our inability to have healthy relationships. And I guess I think that's probably one of your biggest challenges because I don't know of anything more dangerous for a, an officer uh, to respond to than a domestic violence call because you have absolutely no idea with the emotion involved what's going to happen, and you're really struggling with that. Everybody is, everywhere.
0: Well, you know, I look at domestic violence as as something that we need to pay special attention to because it's so broad and it affects so many um, people's lives and households within our community. And, you know, when we talk about violence and conflict resolution, a lot of those skills are learned in the home. Mm -hmm. And when we have different issues going on in the home and we see different people that are supposed to care about each other, you know respond or uh, resolve an issue with violence the little ones that are sitting around and, and watching that and they're developing their skills from the time that they have a conscious memory to the time that they're out on their own having to make decisions you know what's that teaching them and it's it's a very difficult problem because so much of it is you know behind closed doors and i think a big part of what we really need to do is we have to, you know, hit it from several fronts, you know, the education part and the prevention, uh, when it does happen, the enforcement part, and then once the cases are built, the prosecution part. And we also have to take huge consideration in building trust and confidence for the victims to where if they do come forward and say that's enough, the system that we have set up will provide peaceful
1: that's part of it. it is it's a very complex issue which i seems to just get worse as time goes by instead of better which fascinates me because this is such a huge community problem and yet we don't seem to be able to sit down and figure out how to get control of it or to try to turn things around and we leave everything on you guys to respond to those calls so, so tell me about domestic calls. How, what's it like for an officer when he or she responds to a domestic violence complaint or call?
0: Well, first of all, you know that you're going to be going into an emotionally charged situation, okay, where a lot of people um, may often respond or act to different uh, pressures differently than they would uh, dealing with people that they are not emotionally involved with. So it can be more severe for the officers, and they have to really be on their toes because they don't really know what to expect when they go in. They may uh, find a victim that is uh, completely, um, you know, uh, cooperative, and then there may be a, a victim that is yes willing to be cooperative but afraid Scared. to step forward. Yep. And then sometimes we'll go from a uh, you know cooperative victim to um, one that's afraid to come forward, and then one that defends the the Mm -hmm. suspect or the offender um, for many reasons. It's not because they're bad people. It's not because that they don't like the police necessarily. It's because that they're afraid of what may happen afterwards. And that's where the confidence and the trust comes in, where we have to make sure that they understand that we are there to help. We can find resources for them. And we'll do do everything that we can to follow through to help them, you know, reach whatever safety objective that they have. And uh, there are resources out there, and we just need to pull them all together and make sure that the victim understands that they're available.
1: And that's a big part of your job now. I mean, it really is. Well, it always has been, but, I mean, even more so today for any officer that responds to a situation like that, that's one of their big challenges, making sure they they help those people understand what resources might be available.
0: Yeah, and I I think the officers do an excellent job. I, I watch different, whether it's on body cameras or you know, witness to myself, uh, the officers, especially these young officers and the ones that are coming in, they're very empathetic. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand that maybe just because we're a police officer, doesn't mean that we're not personally touched or have ever been involved or seen this type of stuff in our personal lives. So, you know, they, they many of them are thinking, if I could have had this help, how would I have wanted the officer to assist what could have helped better in that situation for maybe my my aunt my sister my you know whoever it is in their family that they knew uh had to deal with this type of challenge so
1: well and that's and it, as you said chief it's uh, it it just it's a it it just continues you know little kids see the people the adults in their lives uh, resolve conflict with violence so that's how they think you're supposed to do that so Uh, We're going to go to break. When we come back, though, we're going to talk a little bit about um, uh, youth offenders and the challenges with, with trying to break that cycle. And we'll do that in just a moment on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN.
0: 1490 WDAN.
1: back to newsmakers fourteen nine A AWDAN. awda and linda bolton in the studio this morning with danville police chief christopher yates we are kicking off uh, a month of awareness about domestic violence suicide prevention and uh, breast cancer awareness so it's a it's a busy month lots of things to talk about uh, lots of stories that you're going to hear because we're going to share some of those with you chief is here this morning to uh to kind of give us a better idea of uh, crime in the city of Danville, what's actually going on, but also violence in general. We have this tendency we have to solve every every fight or every argument that we have or disagreement with uh, with with guns is just a, a very scary thing that we're into. And Chief, what what's your department seeing as far as the young kids? Uh, it seems like you guys are having to deal more and more with young people that, again... Are perhaps raised in an environment where they don't know how to solve a conflict. So, if they're mad at somebody, they pull out a gun, and and that's kind of such such a challenge for you folks to to deal with. I would imagine.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it, we're still within a small number. Sure, of people I know. Within our I know. community, and our our shootings are actually down, um, and shots fired are actually down. But again, like I said, there's still a problem. If you hear about it, or if it, if any, whether it's a shot fired in your neighborhood, if it affects your daily life and your quality of life, then it's a problem. So, you know, those are things that we're addressing. Uh, you know, it's been a trend for not just recently. It's been a trend for the last decade or more, where the offenders are becoming younger and younger. And a lot of this is, is you know, what kids are exposed to, uh, what's normal for them. To be, you know, what's normal to be exposed. Um, you know, there's a lot of normalcy bias that's that's out there. That, you know, what used to be totally uh, unacceptable 20, 30 years ago, is now just everyday uh, occurrence. And we're talking about input that's going into people's minds. You know, you look at, um, you know, TV shows. You know, a lot of people grew up on Wonderful World of Disney and and. Little house on the prairie. Now we're, you know, Bugs Bunny. Now we see the SpongeBob that, you know, heck, I almost had to do uh, meditation to calm myself just hearing it in the background. <laughs> you know, so it's, it, it's, it's things that, what are we putting into our children and what are we seeing come out? And I think pe- we need to wake up as far as how is this negatively affecting our kids? And no one wants to talk about it because we're afraid, oh, well, you know, we don't want to upset anybody. But, you know, hey, there's a reason why my kids had a curfew even after they graduated from high school when they were home. You know, you'd be home at a certain time. You have different rules. Those rules are going to be enforced. You know, if you're 10 minutes late, even though you're a block away from the kid's house that you're going to stay at, you're, you know, you violate a rule. There's consequences for your choices. And it seems like it's so easy not to have or enforce consequences to violations of different rules within the house.
1: I think you just said the magic words. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's consequences for your actions. Yeah. That's a, that's something we're just really not, uh, not staying on top of. I think that's just my opinion, but I, I think it's true. There just are no consequences anymore.
0: Now, there's got to be accountability for behavior. I think and, so. And without it, you're not going to, there's not negative reinforcement and, and, uh, people don't have a skin in the game for their actions, then uh, things sort of run amok.
1: Okay, I want to switch gears for just a second here and act like the head of the Police and Fire Commission. (laughs) I do that every once in a while. Um, And talk about your department. Uh, I've been on the Police and Fire Commission for 14 years, um, last few as the chair. And uh, so I feel that sometimes I, I feel like I've hired half the police force because they get younger and younger. Um, but I got to say, uh, you're really trying very hard to bring um, a new look to the department um, and a new, a new kind of officer on the streets um, that I'm, I'm, I'm excited about for our community because I think that moves us forward. And I've said this before publicly, and I will say it again a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed six people who wanted to be promoted uh two of them to a command position and four to a sergeant's position and in 14 years i have never sat in a room with six such um talented strong uh police officers uh, who want to be promoted I, i was just totally impressed i still am impressed so let's talk for a minute about where you want to go and what you're trying to do with the department because we're trying to kind of change some some command positions, et cetera. So let's talk about that for a minute.
0: Well, I think if we want to go forward and, and grow in not just size but in uh, effectiveness on the department, we have to have a proper structure. We have proper unity of command. We have to have proper span of control. We have to have uh, proper... Uh, Chain of communication, uh, and all that leads to building a a structure that will will hold itself properly. And what's really important about that is it's it's got to click more like a machine, where we have all every part is working towards the same goal. Okay, you look at any machine, and I talk about this with my you know young football players and stuff like that. Is that you all have a part. But there's mechanisms in place that put all those parts together right. to where they work towards the same common goal, and that's something that we looked at the way our structure was and saw where the different problems were, and and we're making changes. And these changes aren't just a knee jerk response to anything. It's probably been thought thoughts and, and ideas put together over the last 13, 14 years. I've looked, at, you know, at some of my mentors, um, you know, Carl Alexander, my chief. Um, and, and a couple of other, you know, lieutenants and deputy directors that we've had in the past and, and get a lot of information from them, throw a lot of things at them, see how it comes back. And, and um, you know, we've come up with a pretty good plan. There's there's some things that have to be finished, uh, you know, through council and ordinances and stuff like that that uh, we, we're waiting for approval, and we're moving forward with it. And I think we're going to see a lot better quality of uh, – we're going to see the – Results mm-hmm. and positive consequences based off the different changes. Now there's a lot of anxiety in it, you know. I sit up at night thinking, "Hey, am I making the right decisions on this or that?" But I'm not really one that waits and wonders whether or not it could work. <laughs> no, you're not. I'd rather try it out, see if it does, and then make tweaks and corrections to make sure it does work. Because I think we're on a good path, and I think we have the right people in the right places. We just got to put it all together, and, and it's it's it, it'll come out. For the primary benefit is is for the community, and every decision that we make, we have to look at several different things. It's got to pass different tests. Is it good for the department? Is it good for the city and the city government and organizations? And but most of all, does it result in a positive effect for our community and each person's quality of life? Because that's really what we're doing. We're not building a strong department to have a strong department. We're building a strong department so we can have a strong community. And that's what we've got to keep in mind because we're not, and this is what I've sold as much as I can to get the guys to understand and and, uh, ladies on the department as well as people within the community. We're not a part of some group outside the community. We're part of the community just like the community is part of us. And when we stumble – it's like the community stumbles. We all feel it. So we got to figure out a way to where we can walk upright with a much higher probability of success because that's going to pull the police and the community together a lot closer. It's all gonna make, also going to make us much more efficient and effective in doing what we're doing because what we're doing is trying to provide a service to where people can live better. And, uh, you know, that's our goal. But well,
1: and I think that's the, that's the thing that's so so, so cool about it is that we're we're actually doing, you know what what you're hearing about nationally, the the, the rumble and the roar and the carrying on. Uh, we actually have going on right here in Danville, Illinois, and I, and I hope people start to begin uh, to I hope people begin to realize what we have going on and what you are trying to build within the department in that the department, as you said, is part of the community. The community is part of the department. You work together to make us all have a better place to live. And that's a that's a big deal.
0: And what we need to look at is when we have a predator or somebody that is exploiting uh, vulnerabilities within our community, we will go after that. What we need is the community to assist us in that. Because it's not going to affect me personally, okay, other than seeing people hurt. you know seeing people struggle but we are going to it's not a soft stance on crime it's not a soft stance on predators what it is is understanding that we're going to deal with problems hard and people softer but if the people are involved with the with the problems well then i wouldn't i wouldn't feel too comfortable
1: yeah we're gonna we're gonna take a break when we come back we're gonna talk just a little bit more with chief before we have to get out of here just exactly about that and about your involvement so we will do that in just a moment on newsmakers 1490 WDAN 1490 WDAN welcome back to newsmakers 1490 WDAN Linda Bolton in the studio with Danville police chief Christopher Yates Chief, we were talking about uh, uh, what you're trying to do with the department. Real quick, I want to wrap that up and then and then hit a couple things that are real important before we get out of here or run out of time. Um, It's important that if people see things, they say things, and we we use that phrase all the time, but it really matters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, I've seen the difference in different crimes, especially the violent crimes, when we have community participation and uh, communication. with the police, we're able to get that information and process it so much faster. And it helps us in solving the case and presenting it to the state's attorney's office with good information that's prosecutable and moving forward. You know, if not, we have to find these little things out on our own and continue. And like I said, the police and, and the community relationship, as far as uh, getting through these different problems, it's huge uh, it's necessary, and uh, we can deal with a lot of these a lot faster Absolutely, with that.
1: Um, um,
0: and I, this, I'm shortchanging this,
1: and I don't want to. We just got notice of the Illinois State Police Trooper who uh, shot himself in his squad car uh, up on uh, I-94. Um, so briefly, I wanted to talk to you about how you address mental health with your officers, because what you guys see every single day is is more than most of us will ever see in our lifetimes. How do you handle that with your department?
0: Well, we have a very good, well, as good as we possibly can have uh, peer system where, you know, the guys look after each other. We also have a critical incident team. I think uh, not only does it deal with people on the outside that are having, suffering from issues, <clears throat> like we saw uh, a couple weeks ago where some of our negotiators, I think, helped uh, – the outcome of a, a case, but uh, we also have that for our officers, and then we have uh, obviously the city's EAP or uh, Employment Assistance Program. But it is difficult, and I don't have a good answer for that. As far as you know, there's different things where I've come home over the last 27 years, and and uh, you know different people at my home say, "Hey, uh, you okay?" And uh, you know you say, yeah, "Yeah, sure," and say, "Well, if you want to talk about it." Yeah. It's hard though. It's hard. But that's not something that we like bringing back to our house. So we, we usually decompress, you know, with each other and discuss different things, but it, it, I don't have an answer to that. I know. You know, we, we try to put I the want... different mechanisms in place and, but there, there, there are things that, you know, you see something bad and then, you know, you, you what, what I, wanted, yeah, what, you
1: know, what I wanted, yeah what I wanted to acknowledge is the fact that you are aware of it and it is oh, something absolutely. that you absolutely. do care about the mental health of your officers. And then yeah. Now that we are really running out of time, you only got about a minute, minute and a half. You have a message for domestic violence.
0: Yes. First, we all have to pull together and figure out how we can educate our, our, our young people, uh, especially if there's an absence of, of learning within the home and, or positive learning. Biggest thing, and, you know, we need to talk to the victims and say, listen, we'll do whatever we can and we'll help you the best that we can to find you the resources, to find you the support and the strength that someone may have taken away from you. Because it's still there, we've just got to put it together. And we'll work together as a team. If you're a victim of domestic violence and you reach out to the Danville Police Department, if we can't help you directly with what you need, we'll find the resources there for you where you can get the help and the support you need to get yourself out of a situation that's not going to be healthy for you or your children. And we have to get that, you know, we just have to get that going. Take that step um, as far as reaching out for help. And like I said, we'll do everything that we can to help you. And if we can't help you, we'll find you the resources that can.
1: Well, and and I guess, again, that was, that was the message I wanted to try to get out to people is that, uh, the police are the police, but, but the world of policing today is so different than it used to be. And you are, you are connected to the community and that's what we have to remember. You're, you're here to work with us. Uh, not against
0: us. Oh, absolutely. You know, this This is... We all have a vested interest in the in the city. Think about it. Eight to 16 hours a day, we're living within the community in difficult times. Okay? We don't get called to go to a good thing. No. We get called to go whenever there's conflict and problems. So we understand the problems within our community. We live it. And we and want to help you through it. So, because I'm sure that an officer would like to say... That was absolutely a boring day. We had absolutely nothing <laughs> going on.
1: Yeah, but I don't think anybody has a lot of we'll, those.
0: We'll, um, like I said, uh, we'll, we'll do whatever we can. We'll continue get working. And, you know, I've got a lot of energy as far as doing what we need to do. When I don't have the energy, I'll step down and find someone that does. Yes, I know. And uh, we're continuing to go forward.
1: Thank you, Chief. I so appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Please take care. And thanks to, to all the Danville Police Department for what they do every single day. Join us tomorrow. We're going to be talking to some folks from the Elks and Fair Hope about the Coat Drive, a real important uh, a f- uh, fundraising activity that's going on in the community. So join us tomorrow on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. I'm Linda Bolton.
0: Danville's Talk Station 1490 WDAN Danville, w 284 D Danville, and online at vermilioncountyfirst.com.